Hello, how are you? And welcome to Should I Wish Someone Would Have Told Me, a series of conversations with my guest and I, where we talk about all the shit that we were someone told us at some point or another about various topics, all of which relate back to the most important topic of all, you. And we are in this month. And so what we are going to be talking about today is a continuation of that super exciting concept. Are you afraid or are you just uncomfortable? And so joining me today is Steven. And there he is, the man of the hour. How you doing? How you is? Hey, hey, hey. Good to What's see you. What's up, everybody? We've got a little scenic, scenic situation going on today. Yeah, you know what? Um, I've been realizing that I need to get out of the house as much as possible. So um, I am at the park. The I think Fairmont Park is the largest park in, I think it's the largest urban park in America. Oh. I might be wrong. I might have just made that up. That might be a lie. I don't it's know. Fine. It's fine. It, it could be an alternative fact, but we're going to roll with it. <laughs> oh, is that, what, uh, is that what we're calling them now? Alternative <laughs> facts? The potentials that could be true, but we ain't sure. Yeah, those are those are alternative facts from what I hear. Okay. So, okay, super excited to have this conversation. If you don't know Stephen, he, oh my God, has like tons of certifications. He works with clients as a personal trainer and also um, using spirituality and mindset to provide a holistic approach to wellness and just all around great. And someone you should definitely check out if you do not follow him already. And uh, heads up for me, my name is Jonna. I am a certified life coach. I work with clients who are experiencing feelings of body dysmorphia and not accepting themselves to help them actually figure out who that is and, you know, live that hashtag best life that we're all chasing. So that's Can we, we just talk about the fact that you, you are a certified life coach? Like, that's a big fucking deal. Like... Twice. We did it twice. <laughs> Yes. So like, that's a, that is a big deal. Um, like, and you know, sometimes you got to congratulate yourself and you got to toot your own horn. So it's a big deal. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. You should always toot your own horn. That's something that we're going to talk about today in terms yes. of yes. That's something that's uncomfortable and something that a lot of times we're afraid of. And so, uh, with that being said, like, let's just dive in, shall we? So just um, on a side note, hold on, because yeah. I love the part about, like, uh, tuning your own horn. It makes me think about that post that you put up a couple days ago about only having sex with people that you're worthy, that are worthy of you. I think more people need to have sex with themselves. If you toot your own horn... Um, you can tell other people where to push it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, that's always, sex Sex sidebars are always welcome. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we're talking about today, are you uncomfortable or are you afraid? And so uh, as you're listening to this, as you're watching, for those of you who are live, have you ever thought you were afraid only to later realize, well, oh, shit, I think I was just uncomfortable. That wasn't really actually a scary thing. Like what, why did I think that was scary? And so just kind of have that thought in your mind as we're going through today um, and this conversation actually was birthed out of a conversation that Stephen and I were having. So do you want to say a little bit about how we came up with this topic today in our fear series? Um, yeah, I think I think this is an amazing and interesting and difficult topic all in the same. Um, my, I think we were, uh, I think the conversation started um, out of a trauma experience. Um, we were talking about my issue with, with Drexel um, and you were um, uh, engaging, you were, you were uh, starting a new um, 
romantic relationship. And um, we were talking, we were like really questioning ourselves. Like I was, I was saying, should I leave Drexel because I'm, <laughs> hi, Mr. T. <laughs> uh, well, I got background noise too, so it's all right. Um, we were, we probably need to re record this um, like properly um, for Spotify. But um, we were talking about, um, uh, should you take that leap into that romantic relationship? Um, and was the hesitancy due to fear or was it due to uncomfortability? And then um, we were talking about, for me specifically, should I leave Drexel and pursue entrepreneurship um, and really like start walking in my truth and like really being my authentic self? Is it because I'm fearful of the outcome or am I just uncomfortable because I'm transitioning into a new person or I have to be my authentic self? And so um, it, 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 coincidentally happened right when we were thinking about October and like the spooky month and we were like okay well what's a topic that is that resonates with people um October is the month of fear where where we embrace it and I think this has been an amazing month of conversation talking about fear um and how you navigate it um and so the I think it doesn't go away it doesn't it doesn't it's it's um you know scientifically how we uh navigate fear is we unlearn uh, it's an unlearned system of behavior. Um, and we unlearn pattern, we learn the pattern and we learn how to navigate the pattern. So a lot of times we experience, we have experience, and this is a great segue. So a lot of times we have an experience, it gets encoded into our brain, it's a pattern. And then anytime we see that pattern in our experience, we automatically have a threat response. But the problem with that is that um the threat response is 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 black and white you know it, it doesn't account for the gray area and that's what we live we live we thrive in the gray area and so often our body isn't accustomed to navigating um the patterns that look like like trauma that look like pain that look like fear and then they're actually not they're they're just uncomfortability. They're, they're unlearned things. And right. so, you know, the conversation that we're going to have today, it talk, we're, we're focusing on <coughs> me, navigating the difference between fear and uncomfortability. Um, a, a present perceived threat versus an experience that's unknown. Right. Yeah. And something you said to quote you is in we're going to dive into this deeper, but just to give you everyone a heads up. So it's important to sit with yourself and discern between emotions and feelings because we often misinterpret our biorhythms. And so mm -hmm. that was like a quote straight from Stephen Westbrook about, um, yeah, like some of the things that come up. And so we're going to talk about the overlap and we're also going to talk about, yeah, like what the difference is. Like, is it that you're truly afraid or is it just that this is an uncomfortable experience for you? And, you know, looking at what makes it uncomfortable and like Steven said, how to navigate and start to rewire your brain um, so that you can, yeah, like start to, and for those of you who, who don't, the, Steven has a degree in neurobiology. So like, you should hear like the scientific part of it. I can't remember if it's, is that the master? No, it's biochemistry. It don't matter. Biochemistry. Okay. They all in the same. It's all in the same space. I, like, I, I will say this. Down. I'm gonna like tattoo it like to the palm of my hand so I can read it like a cheat sheet. Like. Well, I, I will say this. Um, I recently um applied for um my PsyD, so I'm going to get my doctorate in psychology. 
Um, so I have I have a few classes that I need to take before I'm officially in the program. So I go back to school in December, um, which okay. I'm really excited for. And then I will officially be entering the class, the, the winter class of 2022 um, at Temple University. So I'm like really excited to be finishing. I, like I will be done school, like no more school after this. That's um, cool. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first. That's awesome. What's we'll Yeah. Offline. That's amazing. I'm, I'm excited because we talked about this. Um, but yeah, so all that's to say, like, you also get the scientific part of it. So this is going to yeah. be good. So let's talk about the difference. What's the difference between fear and just being uncomfortable? So um, fear is uh, based on our, um, our periphery um, uh, senses. So sight, smell, sound, taste, touch, all of those external senses and how we uh, relate to I'm sorry, all those internal senses and physical senses and how we relate to external environments. So, you know, if uh, you smell smoke, you the threat response is that there's fire. Um, if you taste uh, sweetness in the air, um, there's a high likeliness that there's carbon monoxide in the, in, in the environment. Um, if you feel immense heat, you know, it's fire, something's wrong, the temperature's going up. Um, so our body has these rhythms um, based, has these, has these responses. Um, that are based on um, the the data that we receive um, from the external environment. What happens is our brain computes that information really quickly and it, it does a threat analysis. If the threat analysis is imminent, then the body responds very specifically with certain biorhythms. So increased restoration, um, increase, uh, your increased palpitation, so your heart rate is going to increase. Um, you're going to quickly go, your body is going to start producing um, massive amounts of cortisol and test, uh, sometimes testosterone, but mostly adrenaline, uh, because your body is trying to prepare for that fight or flight experience. And so a lot of times um, you presently know when there's fear. Um, and a lot of our fear is learned, right? We learn fear from our parents. We learn fear from um, senior environment, um, se seniors within our environment that want to help keep us safe and navigate space. Um, and so a lot of times um, what we perceive as fear isn't necessarily our fear, it's what we've been taught. And so the goal for this conversation is to unlearn some of the fears that you've been taught because some of the fears that you have aren't necessarily yours, they're your parents, and we want to break generational trauma and generational fear. Um, now the difference between fear and uncomfortability, um, we found the definition um, What was the definition, Jana? So fear is like a perceived threat to like your, your physical body, like yourself, like one of the five core fears, which we've covered in previous talks. And uncomfortability or being uncomfortable is just like an unease. Right. So it's a queasy feeling. So the yes. biorhythms are very different. So a lot of times when we feel uh, when we feel fear, they're very specific. So increased respiration, increased uh, heart rate. Um, you can feel your body releasing hormone. Um, the difference between uncomfortability is that uh, usually what occurs is vasodilation, um, which is like butterflies in the stomach. So you'll have vasodilation. You'll feel your pulse increase a little bit. You might feel some of that rumbly tumbling in your stomach. I used to get it when I ran track. I would always have to like get bubbly guts before a meet. Um, which I think most athletes get that feeling um, because it's, it's uncomfortable. It's un, you have that uneasiness and you're not sure if you're really going to do well, right? And so uncomfortability is apprehension to something that is unknown. 
you have a perception of it, but you really don't know. And so the idea is like, we want to determine, we really want to, I really want to help people determine whether um, as we're navigating life, is it something, is, is this thing that I'm avoiding, is it because I'm fearful of it? Is it producing a, a present threat to my person, um, to my livelihood, to my experience? Or is this just making me uncomfortable because I don't know what the fuck is about to happen? Right. Most of the time it's, I don't know what is about to happen. And I'm like, uh, I'd rather not do that because it does one thing takes you out of control because even with fear we have a little bit of control fear we just talked about it fear is um based on patterns of data that we receive from our external environment how we respond to that data is 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 a form of control so if we are in experiences that we're fearful of we like okay i know how to navigate this um and you still have a sense of control but it's something that's completely unknown to you and you don't really know how to navigate through it, it gives you, it's uncomfortable. And you're like, you avoid it. And a lot of times you say, oh, I'm fearful of that. You're not fearful, you're just uncomfortable because you don't know it. Right, and I think instinctually, like, <clears throat> we have those those responses, like your, your basic like threat responses, like freeze, like flee, freeze, um, fawn, or fight. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you have that, like, yeah, you kind of know how to, how to respond to like a, a threat, like, something that's really going to endanger your livelihood. And at the same time, a lot of those, like you said, like biorhythms can be misinterpreted because like there's some overlap, right? Like right. It, it's a signal. It's like that your amygdala, which is like your smoke detector, right? Right. Like, it's telling you like, hey, this looks similar, heads up. And so when that happens, it's something where, and this is where I say this a lot, the contrast serves you. Once you have like the experience, the um, opinions and experience of like the elders and all these things, then you get to take that and then use the neocortex, right? Like the part of your brain that discerns between like, okay, like now what do we want to do with it? Like the computer kind of, um, we get to use that part. And so we get to decide like, well, what do I want to do in this situation? And oftentimes, and we talk about this all the time, we go to like, Stephen has said the patterns, like the quickest point between, you know, point A to Z or A to B is going to be like the pattern that we know. And so that's where our habits are created. And so it's a matter of getting present and being aware so that you have the discernment to recognize the contrast. And so um, one of the places that this really comes up is in relationships, right? And like, we're going to talk about that. And so like Stephen alluded to in the beginning, it was like, a lot of times we get in these these patterns and these habits and you know you get in a position where like you wonder like well i just keep attracting like you know the like the wrong person or like th this type of person and it's like no that's who you keep going to and that's who you keep choosing because that's familiar to you that's what you know even if it's not what you want yeah. you know that pattern you know i can deal with a shitty breakup someone you know ghosting me like i know i can do that and so like it sucks i don't want to but at the same time, your your brain doesn't know that necessarily, like your body doesn't know that your body just knows, well, this is what's happened in the past, like this person's given me those cues. So like, this must be a situation that we can survive through. And so whenever you get into, um, whenever you hear people talking about these people that they end up like marrying or being in like long term relationships with, they're like, Oh, this, you know, they're unlike anyone I've ever known. Well, no shit, because all those other a holes, I mean, not saying like all exes are a-holes, but like, you know, like the people, your, your past experiences were just characters playing the same role. 
And mm -hmm. so it's not until you recognize that pattern and start to lean into that inner trust and using your discernment between like, you know, fearing, repeating the pattern again, but getting curious and building inner trust, like trusting yourself to be like, okay, well, this has been good so far. Let me try a little, another little step mm -hmm. that you're actually able to, like Steven said in the beginning, again, recreate this new narrative, trust yourself more, experience something else. And this is where we also talked about in terms of, you know, being afraid whenever you do that, like you are becoming a different person. And so mm -hmm. another reason that change can be so scary is because you're killing that old person that used to just choose the wrong people that used to choose like the same type. Like that's a death to that person, that version of you who could survive that situation. And so leaning into the unknown, it's going to take a little more energy. It's going to take a little more effort. It's going to take you trusting yourself enough to know that you're also going to be able to navigate this new experience, whatever it may be. I think one of the things that, um, like, uh, I, I love the part about um, the relationships because, um, and we've talked about this multiple times. Um, me as a gay man, well, you know, I have a whole thing about gay. I like to say I'm a homosexual. Um, I'm not, uh, I don't really consider myself a part of, like presently active within the gay community, but I do like men and I exclusively date men. So I can openly say, yes, I'm a homosexual. Um, and um, there's probably another topic that we need to dive into. Um, but um, one of the things that I realized in therapy was that um, the men that I, I was choosing the wrong type of guy. And um, my perception was that I was fearful of dating somebody else or dating a different type of person because um, I thought that they were going to hurt me. But there was no present danger in changing who I was dating or changing the expectations of what I wanted out of my partner. What it was was I was uncomfortable in doing and becoming a new person, having to exhibit new behaviors and new patterns and having a healthy relationship with myself that was the hardest part when it came to dating somebody different and even more so what i looked at was that the fear that i had was not about dating um a different type of person my fear was looking deep into my past looking at my trauma because trauma causes present fear that's a that's a present threat to us because it disrupts our emotional regulation yep. it disrupts um how we interpret our external environment you so there, feel it and relive that experience exactly so that's 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 where we're that where fear is really real and where jonna was talking about the discernment knowing the difference you have to really sit in your shit and get and get to know yourself in order to be able to discern those biorhythms whether i'm in a i'm a, I'm uncomfortable or whether I'm in a fear response. Usually when there's a fear response, like I said, there's present danger and present danger may not be like somebody's trying to hurt you, but you're maybe doing the work to dig up some of that trauma and that pain from your past. What I realized in therapy um, and just having the conversations with John and doing research, the type of men that I was dating was an archetype that I had experienced early in life. I was dating and it's, it's kind of like the electric complex, I guess, or the Oedipal complex. Like I was dating the archetype of my father. Like my dad was, uh, my, my, my biological father, he's a great provider. He was, he, he paid for school, he, he, he was provisionary, but he was not present. When I needed him to be at track meets and when I needed him to show up for things and to just be present, when I even having the conversation about being, being gay, 
it was he wasn't he wasn't available to have that talk and so i kept dating unavailable men like every when i started to do the work and say okay this is there's a pattern with all the men that i'm dating even the women that i dated in the past they were emotionally unavailable they were emotion they were emotionally unpresent they were not honest um, they were not giving. They were very much takers. They were provisionary. Like I had my my financial and physical needs met, but my emotional, mental, spiritual needs were not met. And so when I started to do when I now that was a feel for experience that caused me reliving that trauma and doing the work to understand my pain that caused a fear response in me because that meant that I had to have a conversation with somebody, a difficult conversation with someone that could cause me emotional harm because. <laughs> explain really quick not to interrupt but like i feel like this is really important like what that felt like for you because i think a lot of times people like yeah we don't want to like look at the elephant in the room right like we don't mm -hmm. do the work because it is uncomfortable and so um i guess this is a twofold question so like number one you said like that the therapy your therapist like helped you out and so um you know was there any one like thing because I know lots of times people look for like the quick fix like the magic cure and so I just want to give like some real time perspective like was there any mm. one thing that really like created a huge shift for you or was it an experience where it was a lot of things that ended up leading up to this no it was it was she asked me to do an activity my therapist Eileen who's amazing um she asked me to do an activity where I looked at the qualities and the characteristics of the men that I were dating and then she asked me weeks later she asked me to do the same character analysis of my dad oh and then she brought them together and she was like not to be creepy she was like but you've been kind of like dating your dad and she was like you've been so busy trying to fix the relationship with your father through the men that you date and i was like "Fuck you bitch i was like that's not that's, <laughs> of course you know me i don't I, you know i'm i'm a, i'm like i'm tough that's not that, that ain't it and then I had to really sit with it and I had to say, damn, like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to fix a broken relationship. I'm trying to fix the trauma from a broken relationship with my present relationships. Yeah. And I could not mend my emotional connection um, and physical connection to my partners until I mended my emotional, physical connection to my dad. He because physically wasn't actually present. Huh? actually your connection to yourself which is like a deeper layer. Because, because our our our, uh, our our parents um help to our representation of our love map they show us how to love and so when we don't receive that that and it and it doesn't have to be um like i, I try not to get into the whole idea of like you need to be raised in a male and a female or male and male female and female like you just need two people to give you love that have opposing views and opposing personalities and opposing qualities to help you develop into a whole person when you don't get that you have an incomplete love map and unfortunately there are people out here that will manipulate your love map they'll see the brokenness they'll see the uh, the availability of opportunity to craft your love map in a distorted way and not saying that there was anyone, there was one dickhead partner that I had who saw my brokenness and like tried to, you know, manipulate it. But mom ain't raised no bitch. And I, I, you, it's only guy. so much, it's only so much spinning that you could do. Mm -hmm. um, but what I learned was that until I really start, until I decided to look at my relationship with my dad for what it was, mm -hmm. 
I was not going to be able to heal. And I wasn't going to be able to become the person that I wanted to become. And that was uncomfortable for me. I was so comfortable with just being who I was, with living in my trauma, the fear of doing the work and the uncomfortability of becoming who I was supposed to become. That was like mind blowing. And so what I had to do is I had to say, okay, you got to pick one. You got to either deal with the fear or you got to deal with the uncomfortability. Of course, because it's a little bit of bitch in me. I did not want to have the com- I did not want to have the difficult conversation with my dad. <laughs> Hold on one second. Somebody's like, you are assholes. Um, I didn't want to have the difficult conversation with my dad um, because I knew that he was not going to be able to respond in a way that was going to affirm my feelings. He was not going to be able to give me what I need because he wasn't equipped with what I needed. Right. And that's not my fault. That's right. not his fault. Unfortunately, he didn't have the experience with his dad to teach him how to navigate love and navigate life as a man and to cultivate relationship with children. I can't blame him for that. So unfortunately, he wasn't equipped with what I needed. So I, I had to say, I'm going to move on and I'm going to evolve into a new person. And also, I was, there was a lot of anger there. Like, I was at the point where I was like, I'm going to fuck this dude up, you know, if I have this conversation because I'm so angry. A lot of the the angst and, and drama that I had with my mom was misplaced traumatic pain from my dad. So I had to go back and apologize to my mom and my aunts and all the women in my life that supported me. And I had to say, yo, I was fucked up because I did not realize where this, this pain had come from. And so I said, I want to be a better person. I want to evolve into a new person. And what I realized was that me evolving, me being uncomfortable, I was more comfortable with being uncomfortable evolving into a new person rather than dealing with the pain, the, 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 the pain of the trauma. Now, I got to still deal with the trauma and I still got to deal with the pain. But sometimes you have to make a choice when it comes to dealing with uncomfortability and fear. I think that that, to take it back to, um, like Josh and I had covered in episode 18, the five primal or core fears, when you do that kind of stuff. So first of all, I mean, I think like, as you just shared and thank you for doing that, it's not like a one and done process. Like this is constant, like there was no magic pill. It was a situation where it took like weeks of time, reflection, and even then it was something that you were like resistant like resistant yeah. towards. And so I think that that's important to note because, you know, it's like, this is a process and like this life, I like to say it's all just R and D. Um, and I think part of the fear element that we're talking about today also comes into what you shared with us in terms of like having to have the difficult conversations that like literally make you physically feel sick. Because mm-hmm. like- Threat response. We put these people in our lives, like particularly like our caregivers and those that we have a lot of um, respect for on a pedestal, whether we mean to or not. And, you know, the higher the pedestal that we have built for them, the lower they're going to be able to fall. And so oftentimes when we have people in our lives who we are expected to or like look to, to like you said, be our caregivers and like they just don't have that capacity. And I'm going to quote something that you said that you know, things are uncomfortable, not only because they're unknown, but also because they may require work and outside effort um, of the scope of which, like, we don't have that ability. And that oftentimes is not true only of ourselves, but also of those that we are in relationship with. 
And so all that is to say that change and, you know, this fear and uncomfortability can also be something that's very present when we are dealing with others, because it's a death of that relationship. It's a death yeah. of the perceived <laughs> potential of that relationship. And so we can take that to parents. We can take that to friends. We can take that to um, ourselves. Like exactly even ourselves. The, the, like, I love the fact that you said it's a death, it's a death, death to self. Um, change is exactly that. When we think about a chemical reaction, um, we take two chemicals, oxygen and hydrogen. Um, when you have that catalyst applied to those two substances, you get H2O. You get a completely different substance. You get something completely new. So oxygen is gone. Hydrogen is gone. You create a completely new substance. You created a completely new experience and a completely new person. And that catalyst is that uncomfortability because you're, you're in a process of really like it's, it's, it's not just combustion, but you are physically rearranging who you are, whether it's emotional, mental, spiritual change is one of the most important aspects of the human experience. Cause if you don't change, if you don't adapt, if you don't mature, you die like a real death, right? Not like the, the growth death, right that changed us and so so often like one of the things that i realized i was not going to navigate into my purpose until i decided that you know i wanted to change Ooh. that i wanted to be comfortable and being uncomfortable like i was just like you know what all right it's, i'm not fearful of this experience because i know there's no there's no threat of death there's no threat of physical harm there's no threat of emotional harm with me becoming this next person right the fear was letting go of who i was Right. Because then that said that I'm out of control and I don't know this experience. So then it's like, all right, well, you know, if we started to like, and this is the part where, you know, Jonna always says, you know, sitting your shit, like you really need to get to know yourself, figure out what it is that, that you want. I just had a conversation with a client this morning and I was like, you know, I can, I can give you the very, you know, clinical, um, how you doing, Susan? Let's, let's do the work. Let's move side. I can give you that, or I can be really raw with you. And I can say, what the fuck do you want? Like, what is it that you're trying to get? I'm a, I'm a, I could be like a jackass. Um, Wait, Steven, just for the record, like he gives you what you want. He's done it to me before. He's very gentle. Like, yes, I can be very gentle. Don't let but him come across as a hard ass. He's like, he, I he can, can be, tell, like he's very intuitive. I, yeah, I, I am very good at, um, I, I have a gift of discernment. So I'm very good at reading the room and reading the vibe. Um, and sometimes we bullshit ourselves into thinking that we don't want a hard ass conversation. We don't want to have a hard ass conversation. <laughs> you know, we, we like, oh yeah, give me a soft. Nobody likes a soft ass. Everybody likes a nice, firm, juicy booty. Like everybody. No, and, and the lie is that, oh yeah, we want, no, everybody wants to, you know, a little bit of toughness to it. Um, having those difficult conversations are the catalyst for change. Yeah. And I, I asked my client, I said, do you really, do you want to sit here and sulk and, and be in pain and you want to relive that trauma or do you want to navigate into this next person that you're supposed to be um, and, and, and grow? And so they said, honestly, they were like, I'm not ready to be there, but I also don't want to be in pain. So I said, okay, let's do the work to find out who you want to become. 
and what it is that you actually want in life and then start saying okay how do, what are the accoutrements what are all the additives that are that i need to put into this into this bowl to make my experience what i want it to to be yeah yeah. Because sometimes you're not ready to evolve. And that's okay. Evolving yeah. is, it takes time, it's it, it, preparation and readiness. Sometimes you're not ready to evolve. But that does not mean that you cannot prepare for it. Right. I think that's important to note because we see in this day and age, like, I'm grateful for the awareness that we have now around mental health. And at the same time, it's something where you see people and you're like, well, it's easy for them. Like, they're so far ahead. Like, why can't I do it? And it's because they're not posting usually, like some people do, but the behind the scenes shit where they're like, you know what, like some stuff came up and like, I wasn't ready to talk about it. But mm. it's important that again, like you know yourself enough so that you can tell people that so that you can enroll others and like supporting you in that sense. And, you know, if we're taking it back to that being fearful, it's a situation where, like you said earlier, when you don't know like who you are, like when you're becoming this new person, you're saying goodbye to the old self. It's a situation where like that's scary because if you can't trust yourself at the end of the day, like who the fuck can you trust? And that really right. is really kind of like rock bottom, like Phoenix rising from the ashes kind of thing. Because like, if you have that realization, then it really lights the fire under your ass to get to figure out like who you are and what it is that is important to you. And like you said, to start that preparation, I'm going to share a quote that you and I had come up with. I don't remember which one, but we need um, to start like um, coining these terms so we can like start getting paid and whatnot. Cause you know, these be some good, that's some good shit. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm here for it. Venmo, if you want to, Ven, Venmo tips. I'm at, I'm at, uh, I squat for pancakes. What's your Venmo? Uh, Steve West three. My mother says this and she has a t-shirt. Everybody got pussy, but everybody ain't got good pussy. Okay. Oh John God. and I got good pussy. Okay. <laughs> so you coming on here to listen to this, these words of wisdom, this is some good pussy. All right. It's gushy. It's, it's what John likes to say is what? <laughs> I do use that term a lot. Um, um, we have the most interesting conversations and we come up with the, and, and you know, we draw um, wisdom out of each other and we share it with our clients and we share it in our experiences. And so the goal is we, we, we want you to walk away with this, but don't forget where it came from. That's all I'm saying. Thank you for that, that PSA. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like this is going left. All right, we're going, we're going back on course. So uncomfortability is based in what you don't know. It requires you to get to know a part of yourself that you don't know, and that can shift your identity, which again is scary because loss of autonomy is one of the five core fears. Mm -hmm. My kids are watching. Um, and why is it scary to know a different part of yourself? Because like we've spoken about, I made a post yesterday, familiarity is safe. It's what we can recognize talking about relationships. Even if it's a shitty situation, you right. know you can survive it. And so it's familiar. And so that's what you're gonna just go to because 95 to 90% of everything you do is on a subconscious level. And that's what you know is being safe. And also it is scary and it can be scary to get to know a new part of yourself because it challenges our autonomy. And so this is what is another one of our core fears, like loss of autonomy and, and that loss of like sense of self. And this goes into like inner trust, which we've spoken about in previous conversations. And so whenever you're up against all of that, it can be really scary because like we mentioned, like if you don't know who you are, then what the fuck do you have? And when you come to a place where you have that realization, it can really be like startling 
for lack of a better word, just because it's like, well, like, what do I do? Like, where do I go? And like Stephen mentioned in terms of like some people just not being ready, like, um, like you shared in your own example about your experience with your therapist, like sometimes it's a place in a, a situation where you're like, you know, I'm not ready. Like it's overwhelming. And so that's, that, that's okay. That happens. And just leaning into, here we go again with the uncomfortability of that. Mm -hmm. and recognizing that like this is an opportunity for you to like steven said prepare and sit in your shit and start to get clear on like okay like what am i feeling like where is this coming from is what i'm feeling actually a threat to my livelihood or is this just something that's unknown which would be uncomfortable mm -hmm. and so let's dive in now if we will to the the similarities and like differences between like fear and uncomfortability. So well, I think letters. Yeah, go ahead. Before we even get there, I think um, it's really important to talk about cognitive dissonance. And I think that is one of the most important aspects of uncomfortability. You know, it's that unease, that tension, um, it's that attempt to relieve, you know, discomfort um, is is an aspect of the change process, right? And so often with cognitive dissonance is you have all this external information coming at you and you have to navigate through it. And in order to really navigate all the signals that you're getting from the external world, you have to know yourself. You have to know what you want. I think, you know, Jonna was just talking about like sitting in your shit and getting to know yourself. The whole point of this conversation is for you to get to know yourself to really know when you're having a fear response and when you're experiencing uncomfortability, cognitive, dis cognitive dissonance, and the, how you navigate the two. And like looking at the, going back to Jana's uh, question about the difference between the two, um, the main difference is the perception of threat. And the other one is, is it, it's a feeling, right? Threat is imminent. There is danger present. Uh, Molly, you in danger, girl. If you, if you, okay, if you might, y'all, some of y'all might not be old enough to know this from, from Ghost. But, um, you didn't know those from Ghost? Come on, Jonna. I know. You slacking. I don't watch movies. Oh, okay. We'll, we'll get to it. Um, but, um, there's present danger. With uncomfortability, it's a feeling, right? There's, there's no present danger. There's nothing that is physically, emotionally, mentally going to harm you at that moment. It's the perception. It's what you think is going to harm you. <coughs> yeah. And no, there's a difference between knowing and feeling. Knowing fear is a knowing. Mm -hmm. Uncomfortability is a feeling. Mm -hmm. That's how you determine between the two. If you were to really sit in, into an experience, something that you've been struggling with, anything. Relationship right? You're like, do I really want to give my all to this person? Am I, am I fearful of the experience or am I uncomfortable? Right. Is my perception of what could happen causing me to be uncomfortable in this moment? Or is there, um, is there an observation of a pattern that this person is exemplifying that makes me cautious because it looks like something else that I've been through? If right. this person is not exhibiting behaviors that reminds you of a painful experience, then you're making up a lot of your, uh, your, your, you're creating perceptions around this experience because you're fearful of becoming somebody new. 
Steven's like speaking to me right now because this is like the, the romantic relationship that he mentioned earlier. This this was like mine and Steven's conversation as he like talked me off the ledge whenever I was like, I don't think I like this guy, but like I do, but like I don't because there were- First of all, <laughs> dude is hot, okay? He's, and, I, and, I, and I know, cause I like men. Um, he's hot. I think he's a firefighter. <laughs> he's a dad. Uh, he was like in the in the military. Mm-hmm. Got that rugged, you know, kind of hard look. It's, it's hot, and I'm like, yo, get your shit together. Like he's a good looking <laughs> dude, and then like he's responsible. Like he's empathetic. Like he like this is a good dude. And so, um, she was like, I don't know. I'm like, bitch, what you what you mean? I'm like, first of all, it's not that much good dick out here. That's one. <laughs> Two, I'm just being honest. You know, you know, we have conversations like this. It's not that much good dick. It's not much good dick and not much good pussy. So, you know, you got to be, listen, you got, listen, you have to be careful when you find it. Now, I'm not talking about toxic. Um, I'm not talking about that toxic stuff. I'm talking about good, right? This is a, this is a good person, right? When you find a good person, you have to, you have to be open to, you have to be vulnerable. And Brene Brown talks about vulnerability. I think the, the problem with uncomfortability is because it's so closely associated with what? I'm laughing at Laz in the comments. So first of all, he wanted you to repeat something. He's trying to write it down. And then he's like, stop putting your business out there. Mind your business, Lars, before I put you on blast, because you got some shit that we need to talk about anyway. So, but for the the record, the the D was nothing like what I was trying to do. When we had this conversation, when we had the initial conversation, sex is a euphemism. It's not, we're not speaking realistically. We're, we're, We're talking about the qualities of a good person. And everybody knows, like, when you have good sex with a person, you're like, oh, that's some good sex. Like, I want to have more of it. When you get that, you, you do everything that you can to hold on to it. Nobody fears having good sex. Nobody. Everybody, if anything, everybody wants more good sex. So it's a euphemism. It's like when you find that good, <laughs> that goodness in a person, the identity. Uh... <laughs> First of all, we're not talking about it. There, there's no sex like we're not there's no sex. sex there's no sex get your mind it's, it's a euphemism um when, when you actually find a person who um cares about you and the layers of your identity mm-hmm. it can be scary yes um and so what so steven actually i'm gonna backtrack here the reason we brought this up or that i brought this up is because it was a really great example is a really great example of them having overlapping similarities, right? Like all the things, the characteristics that Steven mentioned are an archetype that like I have in the past gone to that has not worked out. And so whenever I was trying to discern between like what was true and like use the contrast to say like, okay, what's true now, it was a situation where, and this answers my question about, you know, was there one moment? No. There were a bunch of little moments where I was like, you know what, we did this and I trust that. And so I'm going to trust myself to like make the right decision again. I'm going to trust the two of us to like create a relationship because like a relationship is like a living, breathing organism between like, I mean, not like a legit organism, but it's, a, it's an actual thing between the two of you. It's not just like, you know, a title of something you have to put. And Stephen likes to talk about relational equity. You have to like invest in it. It's like an actual thing that the two of you have made together. And so 
it wasn't that like any one thing happened. It was that I was scared. I was fearful. So I thought of what could happen. And so this is where the overlap happens. Like it could have been a perceived threat for like emotional pain because like, what if like history repeats itself? But at the same time, like I said, there were these micro moments where I was like, okay, that went well. Let's like trust that, you know, let's see how the other thing goes. And so there were a lot of those moments. There that, were a lot of those moments that went well. That went well before we ever were like, hey, I think I like you. Before I was ever like, okay, yeah, I think it is him because I was right. like, do I like him or is it the condition? And so Stephen, like he, sh he shared, had to talk me off the ledge several times. No, no conversations about the D. Um, but just about like, is this something that I want to go into or is this like, you know, history repeating itself? Like, am I attracted to him or am I attracted to the condition? And so um, with that being said, it was something where, yeah, we had to look at these micro moments and see like what it is, like, is it just discomfort? Because that that's a death to the old me who was choosing the wrong people. Now I'm going right. to, I'm a new person because like, this relationship is like unlike anything I've ever had. And so um, that can be uncomfortable because it's unknown. And so it's cool to be in this process and like lean into like getting comfortable being uncomfortable, like mm -hmm. Stephen mentioned earlier, because it's a situation where it's like, okay, like, I, I don't know. And like, this is gonna be comfortable and having that acceptance and like surrender to like what will be. And so, um, yeah. So let me tell you, Hold on, we got every, everybody in life needs a bitch like me. Okay. Cause I'm going to challenge you to be your best self and I'm going to challenge you for what's best for you. Um, so often we haven't, we, and just, just talking about relational equity and talking about healthy relationships. Um, as much as I pour into John and John pours into me, the things that I don't necessarily see, she sees and sometimes she has to check me and she has to say look what the fuck are you talking about what do you mean you're not worthy of that right because even beyond if we were to say if we were to even navigate even further to say okay there's fear there's a comfortability and then there's worthiness right because at the end of the day we have to question ourselves and say am i really when, when we question if we want to evolve into a new person out of that 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 state of uncomfortability it's it's evolving into a place of worthiness that i am worthy of this present experience yeah and how often do we say i'm worthy of this experience because if we started to acknowledge that i'm worthy of all the good that's in my life and all the good that could be in my life then we would be more open to these experiences and we would be less uncomfortable yep which this is a good time to bring up your <laughs> brown quote again about how we use fear as an armor because yeah. like, again that's what we know like if we don't think we're worthy that we're gonna do things that keep ourselves stuck. I'm gonna keep choosing like the wrong relationships. And so you have to arrive at a place within yourself where like Steven said, like you you recognize like, okay, like this is uncomfortable, but like this is, this is, this is me. Like, this is what mm -hmm. I deserve. It's kind of like whenever you are, you know, buying like an expensive pair of whatever, like shoes, let's say for example, like if you're used to wearing the old stuff because that's what you're comfortable with, but you actually take the leap, like get something else, then it's like, oh, these actually fit a lot better. Like these actually, you know, look a lot nicer. And it's something that you're like, oh, wait, actually I am worthy of this. And so you have to get used to that new level of comfort, that new person that you're becoming. Like this this new you, if you will, like version 2.0 is what I usually like to call it. Right. So, yeah. Um, 
So uh, Lars had asked the question um, to define fear versus apprehension. Um, so apprehension is one of those um, uh, emotions that fall under um, the will fall into the realm of uncomfortability. Mm -hmm. It's an expression of uncomfortability. Mm -hmm. um, fear is your response to uh, physical threat, right? Um, based on um, your tactile senses. So um, sight, sound, touch, taste, and hearing, right? You hear a gunshot, you're gonna drop to the ground, right? Because you, it sounds like there's danger. You feel heat. Okay, is there fire? You smell smoke? Is there fire? You taste something sweet in the air? Okay, is it is it carbon monoxide? Um, you touch something hot? Oh, that's hot. I'm not going to touch that. So, um, fear is your reaction to um, external stimuli that could be potentially hazardous to your health, to the physical person. Um, it is the forethought based on external stimulation, or either it is direct interaction with danger. And the response, the threat response is fear. It, and fear is nothing more than a, a cascade of uh, biological responses. So um, increased heart rate, increased hormonal release, um, increased respiration. So there's these physiological responses that occur based on how your brain perceives uh, uh, threat, right? And threat is taught to us. We are, we are taught that Ovens are hot. You shouldn't touch them because they're hot. If you hear a gunshot, you're supposed to hit the ground, right? So those things are taught to us. Apprehension is perception-based. It's based on, so a lot of times it occurs in, um, like John was talking about the neocortex, um, that, that logic part of the brain, um, that forward-thinking part of the brain, that um, where we have to um, take visual information or external stimulation and we have to discern if this is going to cause a threat or cause harm or should i be worried about this but what it's tied to is that there's a lack of information about this external stimulation see the problem with see the difference is that fear you know and then apprehension uncomfortability you don't know there's missing information mm. I meant going um, back to the statement you made about putting previous trauma into current relationships. Um, yeah, I think we, we, we do this all the time. Um, so, all right, for, for example. That's your lens. That's the lens that you're looking at life through. And so, like, you can't help yourself. Right. And so the only way that you can not bring that into a new relationship is to actually deal with it. So for me, my, um, my trauma is tied to my relationship with my parents. Um, my mom, uh, we had, when I came out, there was, it was, it was problematic. Um, she, she didn't understand. Um, now she's my biggest cheerleader. She would kill anybody for a gay son, her words, not mine. Um, she just, she didn't understand me. She didn't understand, um, uh, my experience. She, she worried about, she had a fear about how I would navigate life as a black gay man. She, there were all these experiences that she was having that caused her to respond to me in a negative way. Um, so that cultivated in a shift in my love map, um, not having a conversation and openness with my dad about my sexuality caused a shift in my love map. So it created a toxicity in how I express myself when it came to relationships and over time it compounded and compounded and then that was how i created an archetype for the type of uh female partner and male partner that i desired 
And so what I had to do was in order not to, uh, I hurt the last person that I was with. I, I, I was with this guy named Chris. And um, because of my toxic uh, perception of relationships, I hurt him. And from seeing that I hurt this person, like not physically, but emotionally, I'm um, seeing that I hurt this person. It made me desire not to want to go into my next relationship with this toxic perception, with this toxic love map. So therefore I had to do the work to break it down. I realized that a lot of my trauma and pain um, with my mom was caused from my dad. So the root of my trauma and, 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 and in order for me not to bring that into my future relationships, I had to deal with my dad. And I think we have that one pivotal moment in our lives that affects that has this ripple effect on everything else in our life. If we start to, if we sit in our shit and we localize where our pain is, then we can really start to understand, okay, how do I soothe this pain? How do I heal this pain? So that way, when I move into my next relationship, I'm not responding out of threat, uh, a threat response. I'm not perceiving everything as a threat. Every argument that I have, every, every shaky thing that looks crazy um, is, is I'm not responding to it negatively. I'm being vulnerable and open to the experiences because I've healed or I'm in the process of healing. But you can't go into a healthy relationship without doing the work. Right. The work has to start with you first. Right. And, you know, so thank you for sharing all of that, because one of the things I meant to say earlier is and we're getting close to an hour. So if you have any questions, comments, uh, drop them in the chat. We're going to be wrapping up. But I wanted to point out that a lot of times we get into relationships that are familiar to us so that we can recreate that narrative so that we can rewrite it. And so that in that way, it will, you know, justify like what we went through, like we will have quote unquote healed it in an indirect way. So for example, a lot of times we get into romantic relationships that mirror the same relational dynamic we have with our parents in a vain attempt to somehow make that relationship work because that will validate our ability to do so that will validate our worth or whatever you know pain we are experiencing with that and so i think that that's important to note because it's something that a lot of people don't recognize and it's something that happens so often and so taking it to the relationship i'm in like I've said before, not necessarily publicly, but like healthiest relationship I've ever had, like ever. And thank you. Thank you. That's a big fucking deal. It is a big deal. We need to really start applauding healthy relationships. Like people, and it's it's, it's quiet, it's low-key, no drama. Like that shit is the stuff that we really need to be um, promoting on social media. Not that other bullshit where it's like, oh, she's so pretty, he's so pretty, and they look like they got the perfect life. Although you're, you're putting that out there, too, about how hot he is. But that's fine. That's fine. Talk about it. No, um, no, no. When I say low-key, I mean in, in the sense of, like, y'all got no drama. Like, that's, true. that's a that's a blessing. Like, to not be have chaos in your yeah. relationship. Like, that's an archetype that we look for in and relationships. I, and I think a lot of us go towards the chaos because we had a hectic childhood. So that's what we know is love, right? Like, yeah. If someone yells at us. We think that, oh, well, they care enough about me to get, you know, riled up, so to speak, and like excited. They care enough about me to yell at me. So that means that, you know, they love me. And, you know, that's something that it's like when you realize that, it's like, holy fuck. Like, that's why I've been dating all these like people who want to start fighting. Exactly. Because we, we perceive, yeah, these 
these experiences that are the same again like same same story but like different characters um that are like being replayed because that's what we know like steven said to be the definition of like love as it was taught to us and so i'm in a place now where and this was about your comment about like you've got to do the work for yourself yeah. a lot of times people are like oh you're so great you know how did i ever like get so lucky I have never had that thought because I know damn well what I did to get this man. Like <laughs> there's not a doubt in my mind. <laughs> I deserve every bit of him. And so it feels really good to be able to recognize that and say, yeah. that. and like you said, in terms of we need to be promoting these healthy, like, you know, drama free relationships. And a lot of times like that's not necessarily what seems like cool because right. we're so used to the chaos. We're so used to the crazy and it's like, oh shit. Well, like, let me stick my nose in their business because it's entertaining. Like what's going to happen. Right. It, and also it makes us feel better if we have shitty relationships to see how shitty everyone else's is. Yeah. And like that arousal a lot of times too, if you don't have anything that you're passionate about, if you don't know yourself, then you're like, well, this is literally the only excitement I have in my life is like fighting with my partner. And so like you recreate fights just for like no fucking reason. What would it look like if we actually started to exemplify healthy, peaceful relationships mm -hmm. like I'm with doing ourselves it. I'm doing it, sir. I'm and doing with it. our partners? Like I, like I am at the place where it's like I am so happy and peaceful with myself. Like my exes. And it's funny how like when you get to a healthy place that all your exes want to hit you back up, mm -hmm. um, like exes that I was stalking that would not give me the time of day are like calling me every day, texting me, hey, what you doing? How you doing? And I'm just like, uh-uh, you ain't going to disrupt my peace. <laughs> like when you get to that place where you have such a healthy relationship with yourself and you have a, you understand your identity because that's what fear does. Fear helps us to learn who we are or who we want to be. Uncomfortability, uncomfortability teaches us the difference between knowing what's real and what's unreal and stepping out on faith. And all together, that makes us know who we are. Yeah. And it builds that inner trust that we talk about so that you can, can trust yourself to make the right decision and trust yourself enough to know that you're going to be all right if you don't make the right decision or if you don't make the, the decision that you results in the solution that you wanted or the results in the experiment event that you wanted. I don't know why I fucked all that. The whole the whole last sentence got fucked up. Trust yourself to make the right decision or to know how to navigate like a bad situation if you don't make the right decision. That's what I was trying to say. Cliff Notes version. Yeah. <laughs> Unedited. <laughs> why it came out like that. But okay, so we've covered a lot of shit. We've went left. We've got back on course. Right. And so now that we are here, um, what are your key takeaways, final thoughts? What do you, what do we want to say? What do we want to leave people with today? Um, I think I, you know, our conversations always evolve into like, uh, you know, we, we, we gab and we gag and we, 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 you know, we, Talk we make fun. Huh? Talk about the D. <laughs> yeah. We, you know, we, and, and like I said, um, sex parts are a euphemism for qualities, healthy qualities. Um, and I think it's important that we really start identifying. I think that's what I want to focus on in November is like, um, you know, it's the month of Thanksgiving. Um, like if we started really appreciating who we are, you know, really walking in that worthiness, like in order to be, uh, to appreciate worthiness and, and to acknowledge our worthiness, we have to be thankful for the type of people that we, that we are, that we have to be thankful for every experience 
whether it's negative or positive, that has crafted us and shaped us in the way that we are. And that is, is, is shaping us to be the type of people that we need to be. Like everything that you go through, it has, made, it has been ordained and it has been um, organized by the universe to help you navigate life. Um, so the, I think that when we, when we understand that everything happens for a reason and it's supposed to happen the way it's supposed to happen, um, it allows us to forgive ourselves for things that we perceive as mistakes, right? Some things were just, they were just supposed to happen. They, they, or uh, they, not that they were supposed to happen, but some things just happen. Yeah. And you could not have changed the outcome. No person could have changed the outcome. It, it just is what it is. And when we start to accept life as it is what it is, and we start to see that some things we could not have had an effect on, we can forgive ourselves and we can walk in a, in a different expectation of self. I can say now, you know, what is it that I need out of a healthy relationship? What am I looking for in my partner? Um, like, sex isn't as important as it used to be. Um, physical intimacy is very important, but it's support. Like, I always assumed that physical intimacy meant that they supported me and that they cared for me. But you can have you can have intimacy with a person and you can have support with a person without sex being tied to it. And sometimes waiting is the best thing that you can do. I joke and I clown about sex um, and sex is great. Like, who doesn't want good sex? But at the end of the day, don't you want something deeper? You're worth more. You're worth something deeper. And so I think the, I, I, the, the idea that I want people to walk away from this conversation is that you're worth more. Anything that you can think of that you want, you're worth it. You have to decide to do the work to get it. And you have to sit with yourself and say, is that really what I want? So it's like really having that, having that discernment and, that, and, and saying, am I worth that? The partner that you want, the life that you want, the job that you want, you are worthy of everything that you want in this life. But you have to really, 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 really see if that's something that you want. Like, do I really want to have a gym? Nah, I'm not really interested in owning a gym. Um, <clears throat> well, I'm not interested in running a gym. I'm interested in owning a gym. I'm interested in training other trainers. I'm interested in educating people. I'm interested in counseling clients and helping people get healthy. But do I want to manage a gym? Hell fucking no. I hate managing people. I yell at people too much and I'm too fucking bossy. So it's better that I just be an owner, hire somebody else to manage it. I know myself. I've sat down and I've done the work and I'm starting to realize, okay, I'm more interested in wellness real estate than I am in actually running a physical location. And that has been years in the making. I didn't, I didn't know that was something that I wanted, but I had to sit with myself and I had to say, am I worth the, you know, am I worth more? Cause I always thought I was like, all right, I'll build a gym and then, you know, I'll just manage it. And that's all I thought I was worth. And then I was like, fuck that. I'm worth more. I should be running shit. I'm a boss. I'm awesome. Fucking awesome. So I'm going to treat myself like I'm awesome. And when you, and that's that getting out of transitioning out of that state of uncomfortability to worthiness is where I want people to go. I think that that is a great place to end because yeah, our whole conversation today, are you afraid or are you uncomfortable? And a lot of times it's a situation where, like you just said, we don't know what we don't know. 
And mm -hmm. we're afraid of that. We're afraid of the fact that we don't know things. And so it's leaning into the discomfort and knowing that, you know, this isn't going to be familiar. And because of that, I'm going to be able to learn more about what true fear is and like looks like and um, have the discernment, like you said, to know like what I do and don't want. And so we talked about how um, whenever we're perceived as something that you know, gives us similar feelings in terms of like unease and discomfort, like physically, that's both in uncomfortability and also in um, fear. And so we do a threat assessment. And at that point, based on our experience, we are able to discern between what is an actual threat to our livelihood and to our emotional well being versus yeah. what's just unknown and uncomfortable. And from there, we're able to start to take these micro moments where we start to build inner trust with ourselves to actually overcome and learn more about who you are so that you can, again, discern between like, well, this is something I'm afraid of because it's going to hurt me, or this is just something that's uncomfortable. And I trust myself enough to know based on the experience that I've had that I'm going to be good if it's a good decision and I'm going to be good if it's a decision that produces an outcome that I don't necessarily want because I know how to navigate that too. And so just lean into, like you said, uh, knowing that I love what you said, walk in your worthiness in terms of being able to recognize that like a lot of times we keep ourselves small because of the fear of the unknown, the death of the self. And it's a situation where, you know, sit with that. Why? Like, why is it that you are keeping yourself small? Like, where did that, narrative come from who told you to be afraid of your potential and from there taking your time when you're ready taking your time when you're like you're when you're ready and figuring out you know is this something to be fearful of that i'm afraid of or is this just an opportunity for me to grow but it's going to be a little uncomfortable mm. so yeah all right i think that's it um where can they find you what do you have going on um, so new hats, new okay. hats, new swag, new yes. swag. So we got hats, come, so hats are out. Um, I, I'm not going to quote the prices. I don't know how much they are yet. Um, but hats are out. So, um, I'm going to start posting some pics. Um, let me know what colors you guys are interested in. Um, different types of, I'm a fan of trucker style, but I know like some people like caps and dad hats. So. Um, but yeah, uh, my brand is expanding. So we got um, t-shirts, uh, t-shirts, hats, and hoodies coming out um, in December, which I'm really excited. The studio will be opening 2022, which I'm super excited for. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just, you know what, God is so good. I am in a place where I'm happy. Um, honestly, that's all I can really say is I'm going to bring you guys joy um, because it's, it's, coming from a person who you know suffered from suffers from bipolar disorder um depression and anxiety um when i when i'm when i have joy it is something to it's something to celebrate you know because it's hard to be joyful you know life is hard you know and you have to remind yourself that but that comes from you know acknowledging your worthiness and you know acknowledging you know your awesomeness so i if you're looking to get healthy and joyful and get fit, I am the coach for you. 
Um, but if you just want to talk and you just want somebody to listen, I have really good ears. Um, they're actually very cute. Um, <laughs> um, but no, I, I'm here to support. Like I, I'm, I'm bringing joy and support. That's all I can say. So if that's what you need, you know, hit my DM. I can help you. I can help you. Love that. Yeah, thank you for sharing. And um, yeah, swag on deck. So let him, let Stephen know if you want some. I will tag him um, at Stephen Westbrook, three eyes. He's a third, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and then for me, I have three spots left for clients. That's it. After 2021, this is like last, like close out, like we're entering the end of the year. Um, I started a group accountability um, coaching experience for the next 90 days. So we're doing goal setting, but in 90 day increments so that you can actually, again, start to have these micro successes to build your confidence and yeah. get daily support with the group. So if you're interested in that, there are still spots available in the group. It's a small group because I want to make sure it's valuable to you, but um, it's really cool because like in 90 days, it'll be Thursday, January 20th, I believe in 90 days. So, um, yeah like what are you going to be doing in 90 days and like we really focus on that and it helps really get some perspective in terms of not just like oh well it's a month or like oh it's like a year like six months it's like it's a good chunk it's like a quarter away what you what are you going to be doing and like how can we make sure that it's what you actually want to be doing so yeah. like you said like leaning into what we're talking about today like eliminating the fear like helping like lean into like building the inner trust in those micro moments and so yeah interest in those things hit me up and um, I was about to say something about, uh, oh, and just because you don't feel you need coaching, that does not mean that you can't buy coaching for somebody else, okay? So you can give sessions to somebody. So, you know. Holidays are coming up. Yeah, gift certificates. Yes, holidays are coming up. So buy sessions, um, whether they're virtual, they're in person, um, like buy a session um, because you can't monetize help. And support like it's it's like we, we we try to monetize it but the impact that help and support has on somebody's life is invaluable you know so if you can give somebody two or three sessions um of support do it yeah yeah thank you for adding that that's a good call because yeah amen all right sir anything else no ma'am all right i'll see you all later thank you right. Have love a great you guys love, love you, you. Donna. Bye.